1: You are listening to Moneywise with Davidson Capital Management. Got the Moneywise guys back inside the Money Wise studio. With me for this weekend's show, I have Joe Rust. My brother Jeff is off for this weekend's MoneyWise program, and I am your host, Kyle Davidson. For any new listeners to the Money Wise program, Davidson Capital Management is a fee-only registered investment advisor. We're in our 32nd year of business, and with offices in San Antonio and Corpus Christi, we have your investment management needs covered throughout central and south Texas. And if you'd like to learn more about us, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation or take advantage of a portfolio review and analysis from your MoneyWise guys, you can reach us in our San Antonio or Corpus Christi office toll free at 1-800-275-2162. And finally, if you'd like to send us an email, you can send us all emails to MoneyWise at DavidsonCap.com. As we kick off every weekend's MoneyWise program, I'd normally turn it over to my brother Jeff to go into the numbers from Wall Street from last week, but since he's off for this weekend's show, I will do the numbers. So for the week, the Dow Jones Industrial Average was down just over 150 points, or four-tenths of 1%. The S&P 500 was down 30 points, or seven-tenths of 1%. And finally, the NASDAQ was down just over 104 points for the week. And it was down just under eight tenths of one percent, point seven eight percent to be exact. Now, for the year to date, the Dow Jones Industrial Average is up six point six percent. The S&P 500 is up four point one eight percent, and the Nasdaq, the trailing index for the year, down or down, excuse me, positive two point five four percent for the year. And all these numbers are without dividends. So a little bit of a reversal. Now, Joe, this is a, a very unique. I know you and Jeff had done the show a couple weeks ago when I was on vacation, and now Jeff is off for this weekend show. So now it's just me and you, mano y mano. Fun. So you're going to get a lot of airtime. I know. I know the dad. I get to eat one. finally. Yeah, I know. What, what we called on the
2: radio is we need to let Joe eat.
1: Got to let so Joe. eat. Well, I know. I've dad. been starving. So. I, 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 <laughs> I know dad was complaining, you know, not Jeff and I not allowing you to talk as much with, with all your uh, poignant points I can say that fast five times. Um, so it's, it's interesting. That it's just going to be me and you for this weekend show, but you know, what a, what a role reversal with the NASDAQ being the trailing index and the Dow being the leading index year to date up 6.6% for the year
2: well we're jeff and i were talking earlier this week and about how it's obviously flip flop from last year i mean we we went through last year we went through the pandemic tech led the way the reopening stocks led the way uh the i mean about the reopening stocks the stay at home stocks led the way the reopening stocks lagged and now the the roles are reversed and every day when you when you watch tv and you and you read you hear about okay is this rotation legitimate is it going to be sustainable uh, but more importantly you know what do you do as an investor and how do you treat it and
1: uh well that's the know. topic well well, sorry to interrupt i mean that's a topic that we've been talking about on past money wise shows is this a, a trend or a trade and i know that i've been battling you and jeff in the portfolio strategy meetings where y'all are feeling that this is more of a trend Particularly in the high highly valued uh, stocks in the nasdaq, your apples your amazons, your googles your microsoft's, and I feel that this is just more of a shorter term trade and and I know that in conversations we 've had on the air, conversations we 've had in strategy meetings, particularly about the value stocks, which are companies that have lower price earnings multiple, lower valuations, I know that we have really seen them become hot this year particularly you know in this first quarter they have been far outpacing uh, from a performance standpoint the large cap growth names kind of the, the 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 ponies that got us to the finish line last year with a fantastic year for the S&P the NASDAQ uh, last year they've been the laggers here so far in the first quarter and I'm again more in the camp that this is going to be more of a trade but this is what portfolio management is about it's about the yin and the yang it's our three different personalities and our three different perspectives with all the decades of
2: experience we have having these conversations well and part of this is when you run a balanced portfolio and we mean balanced we mean small cap growth small cap value Mid-cap growth, mid-cap value, large-cap growth, large-cap value. And we can go into the details of that maybe on another show. International exposure in certain sectors. So we aren't particularly a small-cap manager. We're not a large-cap growth manager. So we all do have different opinions on what needs to construct the portfolio going forward. And that's where the team approach and having three uh, – Managers with close to over 70 years experience actually can help. And, uh, you know, we're not always going to agree all the time, but actually last year, the same philosophy served us very well when we had uh, the pandemic and the the market correcting uh, as quickly as it did. So, well,
1: and, 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 and if we've talked on past shows about creating the barbell, talking to all the listeners about examining your portfolio, the biggest statement that you like to say all the time, Joe, is knowing what you own. And you're absolutely right. You have to know what you own. And when you talk about being a balanced manager, it's not just a balance between cash, fixed income, and stocks. It's within the stocks. How are we balancing our allocation between all those different asset classes that you mentioned? Are we going to be overweight large cap growth? Are we going to be underweight? Are we going to be overweight large cap value? And so what we have been doing all year is that we have been dialing back our exposure to the large cap, higher price earning, multiple higher valuation stocks and have been building the other end of our barbell. That is going to be your lower valuation value names. Our dividend names, which is going to generate more income in the portfolio to take the place of some of the income that we're losing on the fixed income side, because we still own fixed income at every single client's portfolio at Davidson Capital, but we own it at a much smaller percentage because we are in this historically low interest rate environment. And as we talked on last weekend show that there seems to be this coupling between the movement and the 10 year treasury and what happens in the NASDAQ index specifically. And we, we saw it all this past week. We saw it again on Friday, you know, as the 10 year treasury yields are moving higher, we're seeing more selling in the NASDAQ. Now the big, Discussion going back and forth amongst the financial entertainment press, analysts, other portfolio managers around the world is what's causing these higher interest rates. Is it of the mindset that we're going to be seeing higher inflation? And so, uh, you know, that is the reason why we're seeing these higher rates because money has been coming out of fixed income because fixed income isn't necessarily the place you invest in to outpace, you know, to outpace inflation. You have to own stocks in order to do that. But we have just continued to see this coupling, and this week was was no exception to the coupling of the NASDAQ and the moves in the in, in the interest rates. And when we come back from the first commercial break, we'll talk about the Fed meeting and the statement from this past week. You're listening to MoneyWise with Davidson Capital Management. Your MoneyWise guys will be back after the break. Welcome back. You're listening to MoneyWise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise Guys, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation or take advantage of a portfolio review and analysis from your Money Wise Guys, you can reach us in our San Antonio or Corpus Christi office toll free at 1-800-275-2162. And if you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise.com at DavidsonCap.com. So continuing our conversation, if you're just tuning in to this weekend's Money Wise program, talking about the coupling that we have been discussing on past Money Wise shows of the movement in the 10-year treasury and the selling that we've seen in the NASDAQ. And as we see yields come down in the 10-year treasury, like we saw on Thursday, then we saw this huge bid up or buying coming into the NASDAQ. And this past week, we had the Federal Reserve. They came out with the Fed statement. Now, we've already probably spoken too long about the Fed for dad's uh, taste. The F word. A, but, <laughs> yeah, the, the F word, yeah. It's the new seven deadly on the radio. The F word is the Fed. The, the Federal Open Market, or we call the Federal Open Mouth Committee, and I would say, and, and I know we were talking about this with Jeff this past week before the statement came out on Wednesday, is that this is probably what was probably going to be the most focused on Fed statement really for the year. Because we saw a few weeks back, when Jerome Powell, the chairman of the Federal Reserve, made a comment that was interpreted negatively by the market concerning inflation, we saw the markets just sell off across the board. I
2: believe the word he said was it transitory inflation, I believe. Well,
1: and, that, and and I'm glad you brought that up because that was something that he really defined – when, when, when he came out and made his statement on Wednesday and then the press conference, he really defined what he meant by transitory, that it's going to be very specific industry groups that are going to see inflation, that inflation is going to spike overall inflation, but for a very, very short period of time. And the Fed feels very confident that we're going to continue to see core inflation that they pay most attention to running
2: below that 2% level for years into the future and i think powell and the fed also said they don't mind letting inflation run a little hotter than usual just to get the economy going again but to our listeners on the radio show and you know we we deal with business owners i mean that, that build houses they do commercial construction you are looking at certain goods that have gone up for various reasons and you look at the price of lumber you could look at steel You could look at anything that you use to, to, to build. And those have gone up. You look at the price of oil right now and and what we're paying at the pump. You are seeing some inflation, but part of this is coming out of the pandemic. And I think that's what he, what he's referring to when he says transitory inflation, because prices are going to go up pretty quickly in some areas uh, while the economy recovers. But, but they are going to go ahead and, and raise rates all of a sudden just to head that off. Well, so I and, think and that's what they said, too, is, is their forward-looking uh, goals and when they are going to raise rates. You may well, want to hit on that a little bit.
1: And, well, and, 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 I think, and I think it's important for all of our listeners to understand is, yeah, the Fed controls the overnight interest rates, interbank lending rates. But it's, it's investors. It's me and you as portfolio managers, as investors in bonds. That are really driving the interest rate environment. So when we've seen the 10 year treasury come up in yield as we have all year and a substantial move at that, because we talked about it on last weekend show at the time, it was about a 68% move. Now we're talking north of a 70% move since the 10 year treasury started the year around 1%. So it's important to to understand that the it's almost like a perception becomes reality when it comes to the fed and their quote unquote controlling of interest rates when they're really just controlling the interbank lending rates, the overnight rates, that's when the fed makes their decision and they're keeping interest rates between zero and a quarter of, of 1% or 25 basis points. And they're, they mentioned in their meeting or in their statement on Wednesday that they might not be seeing any kind of interest rate move till late 2022 or well into 2023. And you're right, Joe, they're, they've, they've made it very clear to investors in the market that they're wanting and allowing monetary inflation to run above their 2% mandate to let it run a little bit hotter. But as I have talked to our clients about positive ingredients when it comes to fueling the market to continue to go higher, which the market is going to go higher into the future. It's just not going to be in a straight line and we'll have periods of pullbacks and corrective moves. Sure. You know, that's, that's to be expected as an investor uh, in, you know, on wall street. But, but the bottom, but the bottom line is, is with the fed and their statement and the fact that they were so dovish I mean, they're dovish. Dovish is a good thing for the economy. Dovish is a good thing for Wall Street and for investors. The statement that Jerome Powell came out with on Wednesday just reiterated their dovish stance when it comes to the market, which is why we saw a pop in the market and we saw yields come down in the 10-year treasury. And so it's important for all of our listeners and investors to understand that this dovish stance of the Federal Reserve is a good thing for the stock market and economy at a longer midterm and longer term period when they're not looking to possibly change rates until 20, late 2022, 2023. Now, that's as they talk in 2021. Things can change. And Joe, as you said, the transitory inflation effect is very short-lived. And because of the way the Fed is now calculating monetary inflation, it will allow them to let it run above that 2%. But and that's the, I think one thing the Fed has had problems with, you know as well as I do,
2: is getting inflation to come back in to the economy. to well, it, it, And that's the other thing you might hear is a reflation or the reflation uh, or even a, a trade based on reflation. They call it but the reflation trade. I think what everybody needs to understand when you're watching this and, and – the reality of it is there's a lot of prognosticators trying to figure out, all right, at the end of the year, where is a 10-year Treasury yield going to be? And we finished it today, what, 1.72, I believe, Kyle? We, we, in the yield. we
1: closed 1.73 for the 10-year Treasury. But, and, we, but we got as high, we got above 1.75%
2: this past week. This past week, yeah. So, you know, in, in looking at and trying to figure out what that rate's going to be, and f- Friday I was, I was talking to one of our uh, – uh, we do use mutual funds in the four one k space and one of the bond fund managers. You know that they're they're thinking between one point five and a one point six five yield on the ten year. That's through the end of the year, and I think we've been on record as saying it might get as high as two percent. So, Jeff, does anybody Jeff really know?
1: Yeah, no, nobody. Knows. Nobody I really mean, knows. If if so. you can if you can tell me where interest rates are going to be six days from now, let we'll retire next year. How about that? Yeah, so. it, it, exactly, but. I, I can't say this, that I, I feel that interest rates are going to be lower for longer, and having a dovish Fed is going to be good to get a fuller head of steam behind this economy as states continue to open up, economies continue to open up across the country. As we get more shots in arms, we get this country going back to normal and getting people back to work, because we still have over 10 million people still out of work. I mean, the true uh, unemployment rate is around that U6 level of 11%. So we still have a lot of jobs that have to be recovered from the pandemic, and it's just going to take time. But the old saying on Wall Street, as goes the economy, so goes the stock market. And what's one thing that came out of the meeting, Joe? The Federal Reserve has upped... The total GDP growth for 2021 to six and a half percent. was 6%. the last time? When was the last time we saw a six and a half percent projected
2: GDP growth rate? Well, in the other States? than other, yes, I was about to say, other than China, we haven't seen that <laughs> in quite some time in the United <laughs> no, States. No, you're right. That's an emerging market
1: GDP growth rate, but that's that's again how far behind the curve we are from an economic growth standpoint. You know, Biden executive orders notwithstanding. To get this economy going again. But I guess the big discussion and uh, not argument, but the, the big skull session we have between the three of us from a portfolio management standpoint is is this coupling of the NASDAQ and the 10 year Treasury just a trade or a trend? I believe you and Jeff feel it's more of a trend, but, and I feel it's more of a trade, but again, that trade can continue to go on for months. That's I mean, exactly
2: right, and, and, and I was going to say that earlier in, in actually the last segment, is if it's a trade, well, how long is this going to extend? Is it going to extend to the end of the year, possibly? But other things that, you know, if, if we were having a debate, and, you know, it could be Davidson-Rust fight night. I know we've had Davidson <laughs> fight night. But when, my, my, one of the things I want to look at is when are we expecting an infrastructure bill? Because if we do this is going to be rammed down our uh, we need it, I get it, but how much is going to be spent, and I think if we do have an infrastructure uh bill passed, that's in bigger case for value or your old school stock, so to speak, some of your manufacturers, some of your industrials um, energy's obviously going to benefit from that tremendously. when is that going to happen? I don't know exactly, but you know it, it's, obviously it's, it's, it's
1: definitely it's definitely something that's 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 hot. On their to do list and they've already been talking about it in Washington is that infrastructure bill and Joe what you're really talking about is what we call the classic stocks here at Davidson Capital your old mega blue chip uh, dividend payers more I would say not as exciting a little more boring not to not to be uh, not to sound mean but just those classic stocks.
2: Well, Kyle, in the next segment, maybe we can go into an article that you pulled uh, early this week talking about our value stocks, now the new momentum stocks. And I think that's a real interesting topic we can talk about you know, going into the next segment.
1: Okay, well, we'll talk about that and also wanted to bring up talk a little bit more about Bitcoin. So we'll do that after this. You're listening to MoneyWise with Davidson, Capital Management. Your Money Wise guys will be back after the break. and if you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. So, if you're just tuning in to this weekend's MoneyWise program, just want to summarize from the last segment the bottom line the FOMC statement from Wednesday is that they are dovish. They will allow inflation to run above its 2% mandate. They're not looking to change interest rates until late 2022, possibly into 2023, but that still won't stop the 10-year treasury from moving from a yield standpoint as we did see it move up to 1.73% on the close Friday and still seeing this coupling of the Nasdaq higher valuation names with the movements in opposite directions of the way yields are going in the 10-year treasury and I personally feel that this too will pass but I think we've seen money coming out of bonds because I think the chairman of the Federal Reserve chairman Powell made it very clear that inflation that we're seeing is going to be in particular industries like Joe had mentioned in construction, lumber, steel. It's going to be very focused and concentrated in specific industries and it's going to be transitory. So it's just going to have a very short-term effect on the overall picture of monetary inflation. So at the end of the day, this is a positive for the economy. This is a positive for the stock market longer term having a dovish fed cuz we all remember when the fed turned hawkish the fourth quarter of 2018 remember that christmas present joe
2: that was great i remember i was i think i was getting
1: a call H- in your
2: stocking no, I was getting something at H G B, probably a you know who knows what it was maybe stocking stuffers and then the fed made that uh, that announcement and i think the market Corrected, I can't remember how many points it corrected in one day. It it was,
1: if memory serves me correct, I mean, it was well over a 1,000 points. And that was the fourth quarter of 2018. So we know how the market can react very violently to the downside when it comes to a hawkish Fed. Well, we're not in that situation, and it might be several years until the Fed becomes more hawkish. So again, keeping that longer-term perspective in your portfolio is going to be absolute key. So shifting gears because I know you'd mentioned an article during the commercial break <clears throat> Joe about the value stocks and we've been talking about the value stocks. The financial entertainment press has been talking about the value stocks and again for our listeners that, that don't know value stocks are companies who have price have lower price earning multiples. Basically, I think it's around about a 17PE Joe and under would be considered today more of a value stock. And as we've talked about on past Money Wise programs, we have been building the other end of our barbell in the stock portfolio of increasing our large cap value exposure from the beginning of the year and bringing in more dividend-paying stocks to increase our our current income because of the historically low interest rate environment we still find ourselves in. So our bond portfolio is not able to generate as much current income as it has in years past due to this. And so it's, it's just wise to continue to diversify. Asset allocation is key. And, and for all of our listeners, just, want to rem, just a reminder, asset allocation is one of your first lines of defense and one of the best ways to, to mitigate risk in your portfolio. That's just one step of the process. You also have to have active management. You know, and if you don't want to do the active management, then you need to find a competent money manager that you trust and that has the experience and has the tenure of being in the trenches to make those decisions for you and your family and your portfolio. But then you also finally have to find the right securities. You know, you can't just throw every value stock because what have we talked about on past shows, Joe, the value trap. And that is something that they've been talking more and more about this past week in the financial entertainment press is not getting sucked in to the value trap. And a value trap is just looking for any stock that has a low price earnings multiple and kind of throwing the fundamentals of the company out the window. That is very, very...
2: Our listeners don't know, Kyle is slightly jaded because uh, (laughs) getting burned by a certain asset class called small cap value. Many... uh, which, by the way, in South Texas, Valero, believe it or not, 10, 15 years ago, would have been a company that would have been classified in multiple portfolios as a small-cap value stock.
1: Well, and, and you're right, Joe. I, I am a bit jaded. I bring that story up to you and Jeff and portfolio strategy meetings all Constantly, because I said I'd promise myself never again I feel you. I feel am you. I going to get sucked in. But an article that came out this past week in Market Watch titled, are value stocks have they become the new momentum stocks now the momentum stocks would be the amazons of the world the facebooks the netflix the teslas googles. the googles the very high price earnings companies high
2: multiples Zoom. maybe not high multiples Zoom, but that's definitely momentum stock
1: yeah it's just stocks that have a lot of volatility and price movement in them And the reason why they, I think that article was written is because so much attention this year, and we can see it from a performance standpoint, how much large cap value has outperformed large cap growth, of why they're now asking that question has large cap value become the new momentum names because of all the money pouring into them? And I just have to warn all of our listeners if you've been adding large cap value to your portfolio, if you're thinking about adding large cap value, you know, lower lower uh, price earning multiple stocks to your portfolio. Be very careful. Don't get sucked in to the value trap. You have to pay attention and do the research on their fundamentals.
2: And I think if you're buying individual stocks, it, it, you have the opportunity to really do some research and look at certain things. I know, Kyle, and, and when we go through the process and we pick individual stocks, you know, you, we go through multiple screeners. And, and it goes on top and, of those screeners. And, and we vet it through all other types of uh, uh, objective uh, research tools. And then we come up, okay, we like this stock or we don't like this stock. Just because it's value and it's cheap doesn't mean it's quality. It doesn't necessarily right. mean it's going to participate uh, in this reopening uh, trend and also um, possibly any, any infrastructure uh, bills that are going to be passed. Or I, I don't know if it will really be passed by both uh, – both parts of Congress, <laughs> I think it might be. Well, as, uh, we, as we, we said, the other. But, Joe,
1: Joe Manchin, Democrat from uh, West Virginia, holds the ha- has the crown and scepter because he is the king of Congress. So I, everyone everyone has to go on bent knee and hat in hand to get anything done in the Senate.
2: I think – and I think the, the – uh, I'm going to take a quick second to talk about what we do when we're, we're managing money or any RIA that actually – Uh, buys her own groceries and they cook their own dinner. All right. Essentially, that's what we do. We don't farm it out. We don't go to McDonald's and pick it up and package it and sell it to somebody else. All right. That's a different analogy, a different take. We buy our own ingredients and we cook our own food. All right. Meaning we have to do the research. We have, there's a certain amount of risk in what we take. But portfolio managers and especially RIAs, registered investment advisors that are fiduciaries that have discretionary control over assets. They bring a thing, and I won't go to the definition, called alpha to the equation. So all be, things being equal, what can they bring extra to the table to get you that extra uh, return or sometimes even more importantly, protect you from a downturn in the market? And that's what a portfolio manager is paid to do is, yes, outperform at times, but also to make sure you significantly don't underperform at other times.
1: But, well, can, I, can I tack on to that point? Because that's something that I say at every prospective client meeting is what we truly believe, you know, being now working in our 33rd year of being in business is that we have learned over these three plus decades that what's what builds and maintains long term wealth is keeping your hole shallow, meaning losing less When the market takes a downturn and the way that you lose less is the active management. It is the security selection. It is the asset allocation and making decisions quickly when decisions need to be made and keeping that hole shallower. It's not always about capturing Every percentage point on the upside. And for our listeners that are performance chasers, it's a very,
2: very dangerous strategy to try to follow. And I I think taking it a step further, and since it is, since my uh, son's playing baseball, we're now in a little league season, it's about hitting singles and doubles and getting walks and scoring runs. It's not always about swinging for the fences and hitting that home run. Um, You know, there's been some stocks that obviously that has happened. But the idea and the way that we have to manage money is we have to take everything into perspective and make sure at the end of the day, um, we're doing the right thing for our clients. And actually that is making sure we're scoring runs. That's really what it boils down to and being consistent and not striking out. Um, and like Kyle said, multiple times, we're not going to be right every time. If we're right seven out of 10 times, we've done our job. And by the way, if you're getting it, a hit at the, at the plate seven out of every 10 times, you're hitting 700, which is fabulous. That's, <laughs> that's different than a baseball average, but batting average, but I'm using that analogy because we do talk about that, you know, Well,
1: and I feel, you know, again, the reason why dad started this business, you know, three plus decades ago, is he wanted to pull the curtain back on wall street. He wanted to pull the curtain back and he wanted to bring education, transparency, low fees, just some integrity and honesty uh, back to this industry that, that he started in in the early 70s and the things he saw in the early 70s he didn't like. And a lot of it still goes on today. And that's one of the main points of this radio show is to provide that education. It isn't all about self-promotion. We're not a giant hour-long or two-hour-long infomercial about Davidson Capital Management selling high-commission products because we don't sell anything. We manage assets. You know, we're not selling annuities, we're not selling insurance, we're not trying to make something sound better than sliced bread, which it isn't, you know, and I know one of these programs, you know, for any longtime listeners of the show down in Corpus, they know how we feel about annuities of every shape and form, you know, we could spend a two hour show just talking about that alone, all we got to say is avoid them, like the black plague or Avoid them like the coronavirus. I mean, you gotta avoid them because they're deadlier portfolio. Well, let's take a break. You're listening to Moneywise with Davidson Capital Management. We'll be back after this. Welcome back. You're listening to MoneyWise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise Guys, you can go to our website at DavidsonCap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation or take advantage of a portfolio review and analysis from you, Money Wise Guys. You can reach us in our San Antonio or Corpus Christi office, toll free at 1-800-275-2162. And if you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to MoneyWise. At davidsoncap.com. Geez, Joe, I was talking so much in the last segment, which is just bumping right up to the commercial break. Had to do a quick outro. It's like once I get start talking about how much I hate annuities and we hate annuities, man, I could just keep going on and on.
2: And, and for those of you that know Kyle, you, you know he doesn't like to talk very often, so <laughs> for very long. So running See? into the break is not a
1: surprise. <laughs> Well, hey, if, if dad was on the show, you should have seen back when we were doing the show live in the studio. You want to talk about infighting in the box? Got dad, got Jeff, got me. We were going back and forth. You know, we were like uh, three wolverines, you know, in a burlap sack just going at it. So that's a good analogy. I like that you, one. You like that? You like that? So I, I know, Joe, that, you know, we've talked about knowing what you own in the portfolio, but I think you ran into something working with a prospective client that you really wanted to just kind of remind all of our listeners about. So I'll let you talk about sure, that.
2: Sure. And we're talking about, you know, as as portfolio managers rerun a balanced portfolio and having the right percentage of small cap or small company stocks, large international. Um, but making sh- it, it really doesn't matter what we say or what we're telling you, if you're not taking care of your own shop, so to speak, and making sure you are reviewing constantly what you have, especially if you've been to one or two different companies and you have a 401k you left behind. In the case that uh, I was alluding to, it's a new client actually, and they don't have an advisor. They had an old 401k and it was at a company and it actually rolled over to a certain legacy firm. Okay, And that was obviously the easy thing to do at the time. Well, in this particular case, and you're looking at a pretty decent chunk out of the port uh, out of the portfolio, roughly a little over fifty thousand out of a three hundred thousand dollar portfolio. In the last three years, it's been cash, meaning the legacy uh, the legacy broker or what have you that it rolled over to was in cash, not doing anything. And when you're doing when you're doing this, make sure you know it's your own and keep track of all your past. Rollovers and 401ks to make sure they're working for you and you have a comprehensive strategy addressing all of them, so let
1: me ask you this Joe so basically this fifty thousand was automatically rolled out of the 401k to the legacy distribution system, which is your all your name brand brokerage firms and once it went over there, nothing was done with it, and then the now new client of Davidson capital didn 't even realize that occurred or kind of forgot about it and, and, and didn't know or didn't pay attention to it
2: well i mean like a lot of investors and a lot of people that are planning for retirement, they just kind of forgot about it. Mm-hmm. Um, they, maybe they got out of it a long time ago and they never, you know, they got out of the market they never got back in. But I think the importance of having a port, doing a portfolio review and having somebody that's going to walk you through that, put all the pieces together. In this case, I think there are five or six different accounts. One of the accounts was the A-word, Kyle, that you mentioned earlier. That's another one of the, set, the five seven deadlies. deadlies. It's yeah, seven deadlies. deadlies. Annuities could be another one along with the Fed. <laughs> Bitcoin could be another one with the B, but uh, but in this case, putting all, the whole picture together, making sure that everything's headed in the right direction, and they're working together to get to where you need to be for retirement.
1: You know, you just reminded me because I said at the bottom of the hour break, we were going to talk about Bitcoin because I read, we talked about it last week and my feelings about the nefarious uses for Bitcoin, the fact that it doesn't have regulations. Well, there was an article that came out this past week in Barron's that MarketWatch reprinted. And it was talking about the exact same thing. I almost felt like the writer of this article heard last week in show because he had mentioned in the article some of the nefarious uses of bitcoin and really asking the question have these individual investors have these hedge fund managers have all these people that have gotten involved in bitcoin really think past the growth of the of the digital currency in their portfolios from a value standpoint and really think about what it represents and what it could be potentially used for you know human trafficking drug dealing larceny all these different things you know, we manage church endowments, we manage foundations. I mean, that is an asset class. I don't even know if you'd call it an asset class that we wouldn't touch with a 20 foot pole, let alone a 10 foot pole, because of this. And one other thing they mentioned in the article one reason why Bitcoin is so incredibly volatile is that 95% of all the Bitcoins available are owned by just 2, 4, 2.4% of the wallets around the world. So when you have that much money, Concentrated in a tiny amount of hands. This is why you can see this extreme volatility on top of the fact it lacks regulations, on top of the fact that it's most likely and is being used for nefarious business dealings. That's just something that no one should have in their portfolio and why we're not fans of it at all. And these are things that investors should really think about. If I'm going to invest in Bitcoin, am I actually supporting? human trafficking? Am I supporting this this industry? Am I supporting drug dealing? I mean, I'm telling you, these are the things that you need to think about. And that is something that was mentioned in this Barron's article, that investors need to realize this on top of, again, all this money of Bitcoin being concentrated in just 2.4% of all
2: the wallets available. Well, and I think when You look at knowing what you own and figuring out what your portfolio looks like, and we talk about X percentage here and another percentage there. And you're like, where does Bitcoin fit into my overall portfolio? What, Kyle, what your point, the point that you made about a church endowment, and which usually is uh, you have an investment policy statement that helps with the management of it, you wouldn't be able to put something like that in a church endowment or other endowments because. It would they wouldn't allow it in a in an investment policy statement, or they wouldn't put it in an investment policy statement. Well,
1: the bottom line, the other part of the article about Bitcoin is that it's not a hedge to inflation, uh, so it's not an inflation hedge. It's not the new gold. You know, again, it's a digital uh, accounting spreadsheet is basically what it what it is and it's something that we feel is not investable there are other ways to to make money in your portfolio with less volatility with less negative feelings or negative uh, things that it's it's being used for, um, just like we wouldn't own a tobacco stock, we wouldn't own an alcohol stock, we wouldn't own a gaming stock in our portfolio, just because of being socially conscious as we are as portfolio managers at Davidson Capital Management. So, for anyone that is thinking about getting involved or investing in Bitcoin, I would hope that you would pause and and have a second thought about that. Uh, and before we come up to the top of the hour. Again, we're always available for portfolio reviews and analysis. That is the way to help you understand what you own, why you own it, and is it working together? Is it working in concert with with other portfolios or is it working against one another? And that's where the portfolio reviews come in handy. So with that, we're coming up to the top of our break for our listeners of Money Wise. Uh, On twelve hundred WAI, we'd like to thank you for listening to this weekend show. If you'd like to catch the second hour of Money Wise, you can go to our website at davidsoncap dot com and click the radio show link to listen to the second hour of this weekend show, plus past Money Wise programs. And for Money Wise listeners and Corpus Christi on 1360 KKTX, stay tuned because when we come back from the top of the hour break, we'll be diving into the second hour of this weekend's MoneyWise Wise program and continuing with investor education. So stay tuned and we'll do that after this. You're listening to MoneyWise Wise with Davidson Capital Management.
0: All opinions expressed by Davidson Capital Management on Money Wise are solely theirs and are based upon information they consider reliable and is subject to change without notice. You should be aware of the risk in investing in any security or investment strategy discussed on the show. Before acting, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and should seek advice from your own financial or investment advisor. Past performance is not indicative of future results.
1: Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. I've got my father, John, my brother, Jeff, and I'm your host, Kyle Davidson, and we are diving in to the second hour of this weekend's Money Wise program. Now, if you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at DavidsonCap.com, or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday, you can reach us in our local Corpus Christi office at nine zero six zero zero seven zero. 70 or toll-free at 1-800-275-2162. And if you have an investment-related question or topic you'd like for us to discuss here on the MoneyWise program, you can send all your emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com.
0: If you missed the first hour of Moneywise, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Click on the radio show link where you can listen to today's show as well as past Moneywise Wise programs. You can also subscribe to our iTunes feed by clicking on the blue note in the upper right-hand corner of our homepage at davidsoncap.com.
1: Thank you, Jeff. You're welcome. So being in our second hour of this weekend's MoneyWise program, a lot of times we like to reserve the second hour for investor education. Um, And I found an interesting article that came from the Market Watch from the Wall Street Journal titled, Five Things... Every retirement portfolio should have. And for any longtime listener of the Money, or for any longtime listeners in the MoneyWise program, uh, you know that we definitely love our lists. Our countdown list here on the Money Wise program. And so I thought this would be a good article to go into because I, I, I know looking through all five of these things that they're saying that what the the writer of this Market Watch, Watch article is saying that every retirement portfolio should have. I know that we can definitely add our two cents and increase the level of investor education provided in this article. So looking at number one, for the five things every retirement portfolio should have. And number one being consistent income. And I know that we have talked for years now here on the MoneyWise program the lack of consistent income or I should say decent income for retirees, particularly those that have higher levels of fixed income uh, inside their portfolio because of the historically low interest rate environment that we have. And what we have discussed on this program many times before is to not necessarily be completely focused on fixed income as providing that consistent income and that there are a lot, there's a multitude of higher dividend paying stocks that can produce consistent annual income, but also give you the upside potential of price appreciation of the individual stock and uh, kind of some of the go-tos in the Dow Jones Industrial Average. And I know, Dad, you've talked many, many times on this program of the dogs of the Dow. And to explain to our listeners the dogs of the Dow again.
3: Uh, The dogs of the Dow are the, uh, at the beginning of each year, they identify the five or ten highest dividend-paying stocks in the Dow Jones Industrial Average, and they become either the five dogs of the Dow or the ten dogs of the Dow. And the theory is you own those ten stocks for the year, or five stocks if you're going with a small dog, and they will outperform the Dow Jones Industrial Average, and you'll receive consistent income.
1: And And there again, if you also get price appreciation over the time that you own that stock, it's just extra icing on the cake. And again, when you look at the dogs of the Dow, when you see the 10-year Treasury yield where it is today, majority, if not all, of the, the dogs of the Dow are having an annual div, a higher dividend yield than that of the 10-year Treasury in this current time. I know we haven't seen the list of the dogs of the Dow here recently, but the first stock that always pops up into my head is AT&T. Well, AT&T is still number one. And uh, and I just actually looked at it a couple of days ago, and it's right around a 5.4% dividend well, yield. Well, you can say
3: it's more than 5 I think it had a pretty good day on a pretty good day the other day. So yeah. it is something over 5%. But the one thing I would say about this call, uh, you know, the five things that we're looking for here in a retirement account, a consistent income. Now, in, in days gone by, obviously you would get your consistent income from the bond portfolio. And that was true from the time uh, in the late 70s all the way through the financial crisis back in o eight But because, as you said, because of the policy that the Federal Reserve has been following, which is basically a zero interest rate policy, uh, this has brought all bond yields down, and therefore people who could have got consistent income from their bond portfolio They can they can get consistent income. The problem is it's not a level at which (laughs) they can be retired
1: That, that they can survive on. Unless, and as we've talked on this program, if you're one of those lucky few that has a portfolio with asset sizes so large and your income needs so modest, and you also don't care about that pesky little thing called monetary inflation taking away your purchasing power, then you know you could look at having a majority of fixed income in your portfolio. And be okay in retirement, but there's just so few and far between people and investors that are in that position. So bonds will still, like you said, Dad, provide that consistent income. It's just most likely not going to be at the level that's going to sustain you in retirement. And so that's when you have to look at diversifying your portfolio. And the first place to look to create that income is higher dividend-paying blue-chip stocks like an AT&T. And the first, I would say, really one of the first best places to go would be to track down the dogs of the Dow for any given
3: year. That's that's the easiest place. Easiest place. And these are all household names. So I think a typical bond investor would feel more comfortable in some of these names than names that they're unfamiliar with.
1: Okay. So, again, five things every portfolio retirement. I want to add a little bit of something to that because
0: here, especially since the financial crisis, there, there have been a real focus among some investors on high income and focusing on stocks like Master Limited Partnerships, or illiquid privately traded REITs or REITs in general there's been a real focus of buying some of those types of securities and just for and just ignoring when they go down in value many of the the, the, the mesh limited partnerships some of the REITs had large declines in values and saw their yields go up, and for whatever reason, the, the the investor that held those those securities was just focusing solely on the income and not really concentrating on what's happening to the value of the security. And having a twelve or fifteen percent yield is all fine and good, but there's a reason why they're yielding twelve or fifteen percent. Maybe you bought it when it was yielding eight, and now it's gone down twenty percent or thirty percent in value. And so, uh, yeah, it's all fine and good that now it's yielding 15%. But if you've lost 30% in principal value, what have you really made? You've made nothing. You've actually lost money. That's not as common as we're seeing now when we're when reviewing client portfolios. But we know that was an issue very much in the past. And we pointed that out to a lot of investors. And a lot of investors lost sight of the fact that you can't actually have declines in values in some of these higher-yielding names. And one, one more thing before we go to break is that, Dividends on stocks in the current tax environment are tr- can be treated more. Uh, uh, there's a better treatment of, of, of taxation uh, on on those dividend paying stocks than you might otherwise get in uh, in uh, uh,
1: interest on bonds. Okay, well, let's take a commercial break. You're listening to MoneyWise with Davidson Capital Management. We'll be back after these words. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at DavidsonCap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation, you can reach us in our local Corpus Christi office at 906-0070 or toll-free at one 800 275 Two one six two, And if you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise@davidsoncap.com. So we're continuing this hour on the five things every retirement portfolio should have. Number one was consistent income. And, Jeff, I'm glad you brought up, right before we went to commercial break, the... REITs or real estate investment trusts and these master limited partnerships and some of the portfolios we've reviewed where the prospective client has been glowing about such a high yield and high return that they've been getting in income but not paying attention to the value of the actual original investment and the principal devaluation that they've had and I've said I've actually seen this when I've talked to somebody that said oh Kyle look at the great 10, 15, 12 percent Uh, dividend yield I'm getting, and and I said to them, but you've lost 50% or 75% of the value of your original investment, and then I see the look come over their face saying, oh my gosh, I just realized that I was, like you said earlier, focused on yield and not looking at the total overall picture, so for any listener that's in these types of investments you know pay attention to the underlying value of your original investment because it's not it, it's not worth getting a 10% dividend yield if you've lost 50 or 60% of your original investment um, and then also for the real estate investment trust, the illiquidity issues that we have been running into right. during portfolio reviews that we've done here at Davidson Capital Management. You have to read the fine print in every perspective. As we've always said, if it takes 100 or 150 pages to explain the investment vehicle you're getting ready to buy, you should not only get up, but you should get up and run. So number two, number two.
0: Five things that every retirement portfolio should have. The number two item is preservation of capital. Now there has been really, especially here since two thousand and thirteen, and the big gains that we had in twenty thirteen. There's been this obsession in the media with trying to call the top, and that oh, you know, it, it's it, That's all it. these, this all these, it. yeah, this is it. It can't go any higher we'll go we'll data mine all these statistics to find statistics that fit our argument that says that you should be getting out of stocks now because they've had this tremendous run since uh, March of 2009 when the financial crisis basically ended and this bull market run began and there's just been this obsession with 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 folks needing to in essence board up their portfolios get ready for that coming storm get ready for that hurricane that's coming and you know, preservation of capital is certainly something that every investor should be concerned about. But it doesn't mean that you should go out and you should completely liquidate your portfolio every time or within a month or so of every time the Dow or the S&P or the NASDAQ reaches an all-time high. Because that doesn't necessarily mean that that's the all-time high for the portfolio. The way that you preserve capital to us is you have a balanced portfolio. You have a portfolio of stocks, you have a portfolio and in that same portfolio you have some bonds and you have some cash. So if one asset class, say stocks, is not having a particularly good day, usually that means that bonds are having a particularly good day. Or if stocks don't have a particularly good quarter, usually that means that bonds are are having a, a, a good quarter. So one will offset the other in, in some respect, not dollar for dollar, but most folks that had big losses and that suffer big losses and market downturns don't have port- have portfolios that are... Too highly allocated to one asset class, whether it be stocks. And what's getting ready to happen, and what's what really started in 2013 for those investors that had high allocations to bonds, they thought that being invested in bonds, if they got out, say in the in the uh, the the heights of the financial crisis in 08 and 09, and they went to their financial professional and said, "I want out. I don't care." what it what it, where things are valued at I don't care where the markets are I don't care what the news is I don't care what the fed's doing I just want out and I want out now and I want all my money in bonds and they were and they've probably felt fairly good through 2009 and 10 and 11 and 12 because interest rates were falling and so they were seeing the value of their portfolio go up now stocks went up a lot more than bonds but then you get in 2013 and, and, and suddenly, this preservation of capital goal of owning fixed income, because that's, what, that's how I'm going to preserve my portfolio, I'm never going to have to worry about this again because my financial professional told me that if I own bonds, that I, I wasn't going to lose any value in my portfolio. Wrong. 2013 comes along, and these investors that had high allocations to, to fixed income found out that, yes, you can lose money in bonds
1: and and one other thing I wanted to add to that Jeff you know again talking about a balanced account I mean David's you know we're in our 25th year of business and our philosophy from day one and will continue to be the philosophy for 25 plus years to come is that of being a balanced manager and when we talk about being a balanced manager we're not talking about going to a portfolio and saying okay Mr. and Mrs. client 60% of your money is in stocks 40% of your money is in fixed income and cash and we're going to set it and forget it that is not what we're talking about, and we do not advocate that in any way, shape, or form, even for our listeners that are potentially managing their money on their own. When we talk about a balanced account, it's an actively managed balanced account to be able to make adjustments when adjustments need to be made, just like we do as professional money managers for our clients here at Davidson Capital Management. You know, there are certain market conditions where we want to be a little more overweighted in stocks than we are in fixed income, like we're like our current conditions right now in the interest rate environment where we have some of our highest allocations to stocks and our minimum allocations to bonds in the history of our Firm right now, but then also when the winds and the tides shift, and it's time to have more fixed income exposure because we're in a more normalized interest rate environment, then that's when you need to make your adjustments. It's not just about setting it and forgetting it in a balanced portfolio. You have to be actively managed in order to be successful over the long term. And if there's any, if there's one kind of statement that I use with prospective clients and our clients here at Davidson Capital Management that I'd like to convey to all of our listeners, is that the way to build long-term wealth in a portfolio, it's not how well your portfolio does in up years, it's how shallow you can keep your hole in down years and here's just a quick mathematical example if you lose 50 percent of the value of your account and i know we've run across some folks here that have come through our front door that have been in that situation if you lose 50 percent of the value of your account you have to make a 100% return just to get back to where you started. That's why keeping your whole shallow, being in an actively managed, balanced portfolio, is what's going to help build long-term wealth in your account. And if you don't feel that you have the competency to do that, then you need to go out and search for a competent, registered investment advisor, someone that has discretionary control, that can actively manage those assets for you to help protect your portfolio over the long term so number two was preservation of capital Uh, number three of the five things every retirement portfolio should have is liquidity and boy I don't know how many times we have had this conversation with prospective clients uh, over the years here at our firm and liquidity is something that I want each and every one of our listeners to think about particularly those listeners that have traditional pension plans And for listeners that are thinking about retiring in the short term, in the near term, and have been out doing their research of what financial professionals they possibly would want to be working with as they transition into retirement, who are shoving down your throats annuities. And any longtime listener of the Money Wise program knows our absolute disdain for annuities of any way, shape, or form, and also, in essence, when pension recipients decide, you know what, I want to start receiving those monthly payments from my pension, you have now turned those assets that you've worked your entire career to build in that pension into an annuity. But guess what these two two things don't give you? They don't give you liquidity. And the, the pension topic is a topic I've wanted to have here on the Money Wise program for quite some time now. We always seem to be running out of time, and I know we're coming up to the bottom of the hour, so I'm going to say as much as I can before we go to the bottom of the hour break and come back. I'll continue my thought. But any listener of our program that that is lucky enough to have a traditional pension where it's growing and building value and it's going to be there when it comes time for you to retire, The one piece of advice that we have given our prospective clients through the years of service that we've provided is it's always the best idea to gain control of your assets at retirement, meaning not taking the annuity payments from a traditional pension. Because once you elect to take those pension payments, and let's just say in this example you decide I'm going to be receiving $1,500 a month, That is what you're going to receive for the life of that payment schedule. Now, if you decide that you want to receive your pension in a single life payment, that's going to give you the biggest monthly payment. But guess what happens if you pass away the next year or six months after you make that decision? If you're married, your spouse receives nothing. And if you have children, your children receive nothing. And those assets that you worked your entire career to build Goes right back into the pension, is redistributed to other employees in the future. Um, That's if you choose the single life payout. Now we're coming to the bottom of the hour break, so when we come back from the break, I want to go into the other payout options that retirees have in pensions and why. You should be, if you have the ability to take a lump sum distribution from your pension, you need to be doing that in order to keep your liquidity. And we'll do that after this. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. Your Money Wise guys will be back after the news. Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about the Money Wise guys, you can go to our website at DavidsonCap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday, you can reach us in our local Corpus Christi office at 906-0070 or toll free at 1-800-275-2162. And if you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. So continuing the five things that every retirement portfolio should have. Number one was consistent income. Number two was preservation of capital. And before we went to the bottom of the hour break, we were talking about liquidity, and I was taking a little sidebar discussing pensions. Uh, traditional defined benefit plans that still quite a few listeners of the Money Wise program are lucky enough to receive or have the ability to receive pensions. Um, this really, this this whole discussion is really going out to you and and the the piece of advice that we give. Uh, prospective clients that come through our door is that if your pension allows you the ability to take a lump sum distribution from that pension, to take it because that then gives you the liquidity, but it also gives you full control of those assets that you possibly spent 25 to 40 plus years building and earning over your career. And so before we went to break, I was talking about the different pension payouts and some of the drawbacks of them. So we talked about the single life payout. You start receiving that payout, something happens to you, God forbid, six months later you pass away, nothing goes to your heirs or if you're married to your spouse. So that's not a very good benefit, but it gives you the highest monthly payout. Option number two is a survivorship benefit. So again, the payout's going to be less than option number one. And so if something were to happen to you, then it would go to your spouse. But here's something you need to think about under that option god forbid something happened to both you and your spouse in a common incident Then guess what nothing goes to your heirs and those monies are then redistributed to other employees that are part of that pension then a lot of times you have a third option and there's multiple options but i'm going to touch on the top three then option number three is you have a survivorship benefit and then past that you have a beneficiary benefit so if something were to happen to you and your spouse in a common accident or incident then your beneficiaries would receive the remaining balance of your pension. But again, your monthly payout would be less. And you might be thinking, well Kyle, those are three pretty good three options three three pretty good options. Why wouldn't I go that direction? Well here's something you also need to keep in mind with all three of these options. Once you elect to receive that pension, in this example, let's say it's fifteen hundred dollars, that is what you're going to be receiving for the rest of your life or for the rest of these payout elections that you've made. Well, there's something out there called monetary inflation that a lot of folks that feel this high level of comfort and security with receiving this monthly benefit check from their pension don't realize is that that $1,500 you're receiving a month Every month that goes by, that $1,500 buys a little bit less. Now imagine receiving that payment for 20, 25, 30 years. I can assure you 30 years from now, $1,500 is going to be buying a heck of a lot less than it can today. And so someone who's a pension recipient who's thinking about annuitizing and taking that monthly payment needs to think about what we just discussed, but also monetary inflation eroding the purchasing power of that check because they're not adjusted for inflation. And you have to keep that in the forefront of your mind. That's why we always recommend to take the lump sum distribution, the cash option distribution, and put that money to work for you because it gives you the liquidity, it gives you the access, and it gives you the ability to pass those assets down to heirs.
0: And what if you, let's say you take the election and you're you're 62 years old, 63 years old, and a couple of years you're getting the $1,500 a month, but something happens when you turn 65 and you need more than $1,500 a month. Yeah. You can't do anything.
1: Can't do anything. Or how
0: about this? How about the total opposite? How about if you have... Usually, when you re- when you retire from an organization, you might have a traditional 401k and a pension. A lot of the refineries here in Corpus Christi have two parts to their retirement. Well, let's just say you have enough in your 401k to live off of in retirement. And you don't really need to touch the pension. Well, if you let's say you just let that pension money accumulate, and you didn't make and you elected to just have it all rolled into one account, you you. Uh, put it to work you for put it. you put it to work you don't have to start taking distributions from even your 401k or your pension retirement until you reach the age of 70 and a half under current law so flexibility and and, and that's not one of these one of the uh, it should be five, a slash it should be liquidity it should be, liqui- be liquidity/flexibility liquidity flexibility. that's right and by committing yourself to a stream of payments no one knows what's going to happen in their life 10 years from now, 20 years from now, a
2: year from now. A
0: Jeff. year
1: from now. I mean, 6 months from now. Life can change in the blink of an eye. So, so why tie your hands
0: into something? Why 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 make a decision right now that could affect you a year, 5 years, 10 years, 20 years down the road? You're just reducing your flexibility by committing yourself to to a taking a pension uh, payout in in the form of uh, payments, which is, in the essence, an annuity. They don't ever call it that, I know. which is very interesting. It's not... It, when, you, when we see the paperwork and we advise clients that come to our office, it never says annuity. It's just this is going to be your payment for the your life, life for you. your heir's life, for your spouse's life. It doesn't say... That this is an essence
1: of an annuity, but that's
0: exactly what
1: it is. Well, and, and again, the technical definition of annuity is a steady stream of periodic payments. Well, guess what? We have clients at Davidson Capital Management that are taking monthly distributions from the assets we manage and in essence have created a quote-unquote annuity for themselves, by, but, but doing it by not owning an annuity and having full access to their money in case... Complete liquidity, complete, complete flexibility, flexibility, and complete access at all times. And the longest our clients would go without getting their hands on their assets in case, God forbid, an emergency, is three business days. That's it. And so this pension conversation, again, goes right in line with annuities. And it really, again, adds to our disdain to annuities. And as Jeff said, you know, taking those those monthly payments, you're handcuffing yourself. You're handcuffing yourself and you're not giving yourself an out. And so we highly recommend before any decisions like this are made to pick up the phone and call us to at least receive an education on what your options are. Because I can tell you this, and I've run into this with a couple of our clients, Jeff. Some companies that provide pension benefits do not advertise that there is a lump sum distribution option at all. They do not discuss it. I know one of our clients in right. Houston, we actually he our client had to make a phone call and put the hot coals to somebody on the other end of the phone before they finally admitted, yes, sir, you're correct, we do have a lump sum distribution option. But on all the paperwork that I assisted our client in filling out prior to his retirement, didn't say it anywhere. And
0: it ought to be against the law for employers to to, to mislead to that. Absolutely. their retirees. That, that that option's not available to them. And the reason that they do it is they want to keep as much money in their pension plans as they can so that the 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 corporations that make co- corporate contributions mm-hmm. into the into the employees pension plans by keeping more money in it they don't have to contribute as much as, right. as a corporation which improves their profitability
1: that's right and so there's
0: a incentive for less than full disclosure to occur when it comes time to retire that's
1: right. it's not very common but it does happen It does happen so Again, <clears throat> five things every portfolio retirement should have. Number one, consistent income. Number two, preservation of capital. Number three, liquidity and you for know, we Jeff we, slash flexibility. Yeah, flexibility and,
0: and kind of maybe reiterating what we'd said in some of the in, uh, some of the previous uh, uh, number one and number two about liquidity and and the uh, the private place private placements are the are one of the biggest violators of. Of liquidity, of liquidity. Yeah, uh, we've especially private placements sold REITs. We've seen a lot of them sold in the financial, since the financial crisis, and the rules have actually changed since we really started talking a lot about them. Uh, the, they're required to report, you know, the, the change in value of those private placement REITs, where in the past that they weren't really supposed to. If you have, if you're signing up for an investment, and it has a 200-page prospectus. You need to start asking some hard questions to the person on the other side of the table about how liquid this investment is. And if you can't get your money out of it in three business days or less, then you have to really question whether this is an investment that you should be in. A lot of these private placements and a lot of these private placement REITs especially
1: You can't get out of them for up to three to six months after you put in a request. And actually, I've read on the front page of prospectuses for these private placement real estate investment trusts, or REITs, in bold letters, now, granted, the, the print is about an eight point, so it's almost microscopic, but it's in bold. And it says that this is not an actively traded security, does not have an active open market, for liquidity, and liquidity can be significantly and is significantly reduced. And, Jeff, I know you have personal experience with clients here at Davidson Capital Management where it took our client almost six months to receive benefits back from a private placement real estate investment trust that was purchased. So you, you've you been around the block a few times with these.
0: In the 25 years we've managed money, we have n- we only invest in securities – that are publicly traded, that that have that you can look up online, that have a symbol, You can whether it's a mutual fund, whether it's a stock, whether it's an exchange-traded fund, whether it's a bond, they're all publicly traded. They're all highly liquid investments. And w- we would not recommend to most investors, unless you're very sophisticated and you have a, a portion of your portfolio that we would call your quote-unquote play or Vegas money, that you avoid investments that are not publicly traded
1: okay so again when we're, we're getting ready to take our last commercial break for this weekend's money wise program when we come back we'll be wrapping up five things every retirement portfolio should have we've done consistent income preservation of capital capital liquidity slash flexibility and we've got number four and five coming up after this you're listening to money wise with davidson capital management we'll be back after the break Welcome back. You're listening to Money Wise with Davidson Capital Management. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can go to our website at davidsoncap.com. Or if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday to discuss your personal financial situation, you can reach us in our local Corpus Christi office at 906-0070 or toll-free at 1-800-275-2162. And if you'd like to send us an email, you can send all emails to moneywise at davidsoncap.com. So in the last segment of this weekend's Money Wise program, I want to wrap up five things every retirement portfolio should have. So far, we've covered consistent income, number two, preservation of capital, number three, liquidity, and then Jeff has added slash flexibility. Number four is competitive costs. Now, we have talked, oh my gosh, how many, I mean, we've, we're have down in our ninth year of doing the Money Wise program here on 1360 KKTX, and we have talked about all the different ways people in the financial service industry are paid, from commissions to commissions paid on products that are sold. And at Davidson Capital Management, as a registered investment advisor, we are completely fee-based, Uh, and our max fee being 1% of total assets per year as far as our management fee is concerned, and our fee goes down from there based on assets under management. Um, And the one thing that we always recommend to anyone looking to hire an investment professional is to search out the registered investment advisor that is on a fee-based schedule, not a commission-based schedule, Um, and really pay attention. I know from just looking at our competitors in the marketplace here in South Texas that At Davidson Capital Management, we're anywhere from 25 to 50% less expensive per year when it comes to our management expense. And so that's something that you'd always pay attention to. And understand that when you're working with someone that is in a fee based, uh, structure, a fee-based arrangement that really puts them in the same side of the table or in the same boat as you because it gives them the, the incentive. The more money they make for you, the more money they make for themselves, and then if the value of the portfolio goes down, so does their management fee. So pay attention to competitive costs. Ask the questions and, and just really read the fine print. Don't be afraid to ask whatever whoever the
0: financial professional is you you may be working with how much they're going to make for managing your money or selling you a particular product there's that that's that shouldn't be a question that you should be afraid to ask and 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 the person on the other side of the table should not him haul around or should not try to deflect the question away because cost And what you're paying in the portfolio in terms of management fees and expenses, and there's lots of other ways that fees get collected from investors that we didn't even go, we don't really have enough time to go through in this last segment of the show, they can add up. And they're not always obvious. And you have to, as Kyle says, dig deeper to figure it out. Uh, For folks that are involved with RAP accounts at the major brokerage houses, and they they go by different names depending on what brokerage house you're in, many of those wrap accounts start off at 2 2.5% two per year and go up from there. That's right. Uh, we've seen many RAP accounts that exceeded 3% of assets under management and don't even get a us. Started about annuities.
1: Well, I, I, and I will, I'll kind of leave this okay. number four segment with this. If anyone that you're working with has paid through commissions and you ask them how much commissions they're going to make and their answer is nothing, that's a flat out lie. That is a flat out lie. They're not people doing it work. out of the goodness of yeah, their people heart. People don't work for nothing. They don't work for nothing. So keep that in the back of your mind. So the fifth and final thing that every retirement portfolio should have, and again, see this and we talk about this time and time again, is long-term growth. The bottom line is, is as you get closer to retirement, and as Jeff said at the the beginning of this second hour, you can't just board up your portfolio. You cannot say, well, I'm two or three years away from retiring, so now I'm just going to move everything 100% into fixed income, now I'm safe.
0: Yeah, preservation of capital should not overshadow long-term
1: growth. You always need growth, whether you're 60, 70, 80, 90 years old. You need some form of investment growth in your portfolio because that investment growth is what's going to help offset monetary inflation over the long term. That's why growth is so necessary and is a requirement for any successful portfolio. And I will say this the last few 401k's that i've reviewed for prospective clients i've been noticing just here recently a trend especially with how well the markets did in 2013 where i've seen folks that are you know in their mid to late 50s that are sitting 70 80 100% of their 401k in either cash fixed income or the stable value fund because they feel that you know what i've grown my 401k to Four, five, six, seven hundred thousand dollars, and I'm not willing to take any more risk. So I'm just going to put it all in the stable value fund and ride off into the sunset. And that is the worst thing you could do. They're allowing preservation of capital to overshadow long-term growth. And and we've always said, don't be confused with preservation of capital with return of purchasing power. The the lack of thought towards monetary inflation. Is is a bad thing that you that you could do for your portfolio? Not paying attention to that, not realizing that loss of purchasing power is a loss. Well, it's not going to show it on your
3: statement, but it is a loss. One thing that that I think we could safely say as financial advisors is that these days of the CPI running around two percent are just about over, yeah. and we have no way of knowing. How high inflation is going to be in the future, but it's definitely not going to be at this level. Another reason to not say, "Oh, seven hundred thousand dollars is enough," and I'm just going to, as you say, ride it into safe. the sun. I mean, that the funny thing is, you think you're playing it safe, you are actually taking a big risk. You think you're being safe when you're doing this, you are not. And you could be doing long-term
1: irreparable damage to your retirement portfolio and so if you find yourself in that position and you might be past the age of fifty nine and a half one thing i just kind of quick sidebar to throw into this if you're participating in a 401k and you're past the age of fifty nine and a half Most standard prototype 401k plans allow you to take what's called an in-service distribution, and that allows you to roll out the balance of your 401k, hire a professional money manager like a Davidson Capital Management to manage those assets for you while you are still working for your current employer, and also allowing you to continue to participate in the 401k to receive any of the matching or profit-sharing dollars that your employer is providing and we have done this we have done this with a multitude of clients over the years but again it is something that is not advertised by the 401k provider that you have the ability to do this so if you're in this past fifty nine and a half years old you're not planning on retiring anytime soon you know, it never hurts to pick up the phone and make a call and to learn about what your options are with your 401k. Because if you've amassed four, five, six, seven hundred thousand dollars or more in your 401k, and you're nervous about the future and you don't have the wherewithal to manage it yourself, there could be some options out there for you to hire a professional manager to oversee those assets. So long-term growth is an absolute key. Do not board up your portfolio. You'll need growth in that portfolio for the rest of your life. So with that, we would like to thank everyone for listening to this weekend's Money Wise program. Again, if you'd like to give us a call in our office on Monday, you can reach us in our local Corpus Christi office at 906 zero zero seven zero or toll free at one 2162 For my father John and my brother Jeff, this is Kyle Davidson saying have a fantastic weekend and to your financial health. We will talk to you next week.